purpose is to share a message that's so simple that a first grader could get what I'm saying. Because if I'm, I'm, I'm talking beyond that, then I'm too deep. But I want to share things that are basic, that, are, that we can grasp and get a hold of. Glory be to God. Now, last week we talked about the reality of the new birth. Now, today I want to talk about becoming God inside-minded. Becoming God inside-minded. I mentioned last week that the difference between, T.L. Osborne said this, he said the difference between Christianity and all the other major religions of the world today is that the God that we worship literally comes to live on the inside of us. Amen? The Buddhists cannot say that. Islamists can't say that. Any other religion, there's a bunch of them out there. But their religion is different because the God that they worship is made out of stone and something natural, but the God that we worship comes to live on the inside of us. Now the Bible says in Ezekiel 36 verse 25, it says, Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. Now notice this, a new heart I will give you, a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take away the stony heart of flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. This is Ezekiel prophesying about the new covenant that was to come. Of course, he was living in the Old Testament. But he said, this, the time is going to come where God says, I'm going to take out the stony heart. You ever have that game Operation? Remember that game? I was just thinking of that, you know, and try to get that that heart out without touching the sides, you know. Well, I'll tell you what, God did something. He took out the old stony heart and gave us a heart of flesh, a heart that's sensitive to God. That's through the new birth. Now, last week, we said this, that Israel experienced God with them. Israel experienced God for them, those two things. But Israel did not experience God in them until Jesus was resurrected. So you and I, and we looked at some scriptures last week about this, you know. Uh, in fact, while we're there, just go, go over to Joshua chapter 1 again. I want to read this verse that we saw last week. In Joshua chapter 1, and verse 1, um, like I said, last week's message will kind of dovetail into... Uh, the message for today, but it says, Now after the death of Moses, verse 1, it says, The servant of the Lord, it came to pass, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, saying, Moses, minister, saying, My servant is now dead. Now therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, unto the land that I will give them, even the children of Israel. Now jump down to verse 5, it says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Now notice this phrase, As I was with Moses... So I will be with you. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong, be of good courage, for unto this people thou shalt divide the inheritance of the land which I swore unto the fathers to give them. And then finally in verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses thy servant commanded thee. Turn not to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. And then he talks about meditating on the word of God. And we brought out the fact last week that he says three times, because Joshua is now stepping in Moses' position, stepping in his shoes, and you can just imagine how inferior you might feel to take the place of Moses to lead the Israelites. Have you ever felt like not adequate about a certain situation? Didn't feel qualified? Well, Joshua, I'm sure, felt this way. And the Lord reminded him, he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And that's important for us to realize. Because a lot of people nowadays say, I know God is with Old Roberts. I know God is with Brother Hagin and Brother Copeland and any other man of God out there. But is the Lord with me? Yes. Yes. He's not more with them than he's more with you. And he says three times, be strong and of good courage. Now, when it comes to possessing the land that God has for you, it takes courage 
to be able to do that. Because there will be adversaries, there will be enemies, and there will be things that will try to discourage you. How many know what I'm talking about? There are, there's enough enemies out there. There's enough voices out there. There's enough circumstances out there that will try to talk to you and say, you don't have what it takes. You don't have the resources. You don't have the goods or whatever the case may be. But the Lord says, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. So God was with them. And then I'm just going to quote here because of time. But in Romans 8, 31, it says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So God was with Israel. God was for Israel. And he's with us and for us. But in our case, God is in us. Amen. Now, let's go over to the uh, pick up today here in 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. And, uh, and I want to show you something here, here today about the presence of God. I, I always meditate on this. I, I say, Father, all the time. I can't even count how many times I've done it, thousands and thousands of times. I'll continue to do it. There's some things that I'll do that I'll never stop doing. It's just a lifestyle. And I say all the time, walking around, even before the service here today, I said, oh, I thank you, Lord. If God be for me, who can be against me? Christ in me, the hope of glory. And you stir up yourself and you remind yourself that, hey, I'm not alone. I've got the, the Holy One living on the inside of me. But here's the, here's the situation here before I read these couple of verses here in 2 Samuel. You know, Israel had just captured, regathered, captured the ark from the Philistines and they're taking it back, okay, because the Philistines had taken the ark of the covenant and so forth. Make a long story real short. You remember they had put the ark of the covenant on a new cart, okay, and the Lord had already instructed them that the ark of the covenant is never to be pulled by oxen, but it's to be on the shoulders of the priest only, so there was, a, there was some kind of a break in communication there. That, that, and, and, and the Bible says that they put her on a new cart and they hauled the, the Ark of the Covenant. And there was a guy named Uzzah. All right? It's a different kind of name. But his name was Uzzah. And it says that the oxen stumbled and the cart began to tip, which was had the, held the Ark of the Covenant. And Uzzah reached out to steady the Ark. And when he did, he fell dead instantly. Fried on contact. Now, David, David was initially upset. He didn't understand what was going on until he sought the Lord. And he said, the Lord told him, he said, he goes, this, this all happened because you didn't seek the Lord after due order. Now, God, was, God did, wasn't just trying to kill someone that day. He wasn't in a bad mood. It's just that that's the Ark of the Covenant. You understand the presence of God. And when the natural comes in contact with the supernatural, especially in the Old Testament, something's going to give. Okay, and so the Lord, he sought the Lord about this, you know, and so he went and he, he took the ark to a guy's house temporarily. His name was Obed-Edom, and we're going to read about him in a second here. And it's 2 Samuel chapter 8, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9. And this is after this. He said, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? And so David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. Under, under, see that right there. And it says, And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. Now notice as a result of God's presence through the ark of the covenant being with Obed-Edom, it says, And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Amen. In other words, he was better off prior. He was better off after this happened. You know, one thing I know this is when God's presence shows up, you will always be better off. You know, today you'll be better off than when you first came in here today. I am totally convinced of it. Unless you just hold your ears and fingers in your ears and don't hear anything. You know what I'm saying? But you're not doing that. Amen. Are you hungry this morning? Thank you, Lord Jesus. This ark 
was the presence of the Lord, physical presence of the Lord. And as this ark was in this man's home, Obed-Edom, it says for three months the Lord blessed all of his household. Blessed all of his household. You and I are carriers of the presence of God. Now the Lord's been dealing with me about this because he said, He's been showing me. Now, it's not that I didn't know this, but it's just he's been stirring my heart up in this personally. He said, Keith, you know, when you understand the, the abiding presence of God and you understand that and you meditate on it and you think about that, your life will never be the same again. Never be the same again. The reason that we even yield to fear in our lives Think about this. Now listen very carefully. The reason that we even yield to fear in our lives is because we're not aware of the abiding presence of the Lord. Even in your darkest hour, even when you feel confused, even when you feel oppressed, if you're a Christian, God is on the inside of you. Glory be to God. So there has to be a revelation that comes to our hearts and our minds to realize Hey, I'm not just floating through light. See, most people have the idea that when you get... Is it too cold in here? <laughs> Let me do something real quick here, all right? Put the pause button on here. Let's... We don't want no icicles hanging off you this morning, all right? I want to look at that back there too, Josh. But uh, check out the thermostat. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What was I saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Lost my train of thought there for a second. But the only reason that we would even for a moment yield to oppression or depression or fear is because we don't believe that the one in us can take care of that situation. The other day I was praying and I was meditating on the Word of God and the Spirit of God. I was praying when this happened. I was praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues. And the Lord said something to my heart. I didn't hear it with these ears, but inside my heart. He said, son, I've never lost a battle yet. I've never lost a battle yet. I've never faced anything that I wasn't able to overcome. In other words, God never faced anything, and he said, uh-oh. <laughs> Amen? Now, if you go to a doctor, you know, and you've got a situation going on, he says, uh-oh, you're in trouble. Right? You go to your tax man, he says, uh-oh, you're in trouble. But God has never said, uh-oh, <laughs> what are we going to do? See, God has never lost a battle yet. He's never lost a battle. Even when Adam sinned, he had an alternative plan to get man back in right relationship. See, God didn't make man a robot. He gave him a choice and a free will. And you know what? I know this that if we were Adam, we would have done the same thing because we came out of Adam. We can't point the finger at him and say, look at the trouble you got us in here because we all came out of him, we would have made the same choice. Okay? But see, even in that situation, it looked kind of hopeless, but God already had a plan. The Bible says Jesus Christ is a, is a Savior from the foundation of the world. Glory to God. And so... He reminded me, he says, if you understand the abiding presence of God, you'll win every single time. And I can almost hear the Holy Ghost say when you wake up in the morning, are you prepared to win today? Are you prepared to succeed today? Are you prepared to overcome today? Why? Because he's on the inside of you. Now, oh, but Edom, crazy name was living under the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. But you and I have that same presence that was in the Ark of the Covenant now is living on the inside of us. And as long as the presence of God was in Obed-Edom's house, it said the Lord blessed all his house, everything that he had. He blessed everything that he had. Amen? And so we become blessed supernaturally blessed, spiritually, physically, mentally, socially, financially, when we understand the abiding presence of Almighty God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Go to Acts chapter 9, if you would, Acts chapter 9. 
I'm already getting stirred up talking about this. Glory to God. Mm. But in Acts chapter 9, the devil likes to bring bad news. How many of you know that? There was a movie out years ago called Bad News Bears. You ever heard that movie before? Years? I don't know, probably in the 70s it came out. I don't know. But you know that the devil's bad news devil. When the devil shows up, when the devil comes, when he speaks to you through the, the power of suggestion in your thought life, he always comes with a bad report. He comes with a negative report. He comes with, you're not going to be able to do this. You can't afford this. You can't do this. You don't have what it takes. You know what I mean? That's just his nature. That's the way he is. But on the contrary, when God shows up and he lives on the inside of you, he will talk to you. He will communicate with you. And he will talk you out of defeat into victory. He'll talk you out of depression into overcoming glory to God. Because the greater one lives on the inside of us. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Thank you, Father. Now we know that Saul became Paul. Someone said he had such a big encounter with God that God knocked the S off his first name, gave him a P. <laughs> and he became Saul of Tarsus, Paul the Apostle Paul. Praise the Lord. Now we know, uh, here's a little, a couple of verses I want to read about his life. And I want to, I want, how many of you know Paul was known for his revelation? He wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. That man had revelation like no other apostle. He even, he, went, he even went on to even say, he said, he said, I labored more abundantly than all the rest of the apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God that was on the inside of me. Wow. Sounded like he was bragging, but he wasn't. He said, I labored more abundantly than all the rest. God. Amen. Sounds like Trump. <laughs> I like his confidence. I love his confidence. Amen. He speaks faith. Hallelujah. Thank God we got a president that has a backbone, not a wishbone. Amen. I praise God. Is he perfect? No. But he's God's chosen for such a time as this. For the Israel and for the church. Glory be to God. But Saul of Tarsus was a terrorist. And he says in verse 1, it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters from Damascus in the, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Not a good man. Verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Glory to God. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice unto him saying, Saul, Saul. Now when the Lord calls your name twice, you know you're in trouble. It's like your mom and dad. <laughs> when I was in trouble, my mother would call me by my first, middle, and last name. And I thought, not good. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now, here's what I want you to see right here. The Apostle Paul, the very first revelation. Now, we have Paul, the Pauline epistles, they call it. These are all the scriptures about who we are in Christ, what belongs to us, what we have, what we can do through the Apostle Paul. But the very first revelation he ever had was right here. When Jesus appeared to him, he was on the road to Damascus to persecute the church. Now let me just say something here. I'll back up before I read the rest of this. You remember the situation when, when Stephen was being stoned to death by the Apostle Paul. He was consenting unto his death. He was holding the coats of the people that took off their coats to have more flexibility so they could stone Stephen, the disciple of the Lord. Remember that? You remember what Stephen prayed? He said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. In other words, forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. Didn't Jesus pray that on the cross? Stephen was a man of love. And he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Paul, Saul was standing right there. And when he prayed that prayer, God said, sick him, Holy Ghost. Sick him, Holy Ghost. Go after him. And what happened? The worst persecutor, the Holy Ghost, went after him. And here we have 
when he caught up and he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus where he's going with letters from the governor to go persecute and destroy more Christians. But he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it says in verse 4, after this light from heaven, which was the glory, it says, He fell upon the earth, in verse 4, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why, why persecutest thou me? Now, here's what I want you to see here. Jesus didn't say to him, why are you persecuting my people? Did he? What did he say? Why are you persecuting me? The very first revelation that Paul had was this. When you persecute the church, you're persecuting Jesus because Jesus and the church are one. Amen. You and I are one with Jesus. And he that toucheth you touches the apple of his eye, the scripture says. And when the devil messes with you, he's messing with God because God lives on the inside of you. God lives in me. <laughs> Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And the very first revelation he said is, why are you persecuting me? And in verse 5 he said, Lord... He says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And verse 6 says, And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go to the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Alright? Now, Paul didn't pray. This is when Paul got born again, by the way. Paul received Jesus right here. He didn't say some long prayer. All he said was, Lord. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'll address that right now. Some of you here, you've been praying for some people in your life. And it looks as though, it almost seems as though God's been ignoring your prayer. Because you can't see any physical evidence from what your eyes can see, what your ears can see, and yet you're praying out of your heart for that man or that woman. And the Lord is, is letting you know today, don't judge after the sight of the eye or the hearing of the ear, for I am doing a work behind the scenes that you don't see or you hear, but you will see it and you will hear it in the process of time. Amen. But the Lord wants you to be of good courage and be glad because the prayers that you're, you're praying are impacting that person when they're lying there at night when you don't know what's going on on the inside of them. Amen. Amen. So I just had a little word of knowledge to share that with you this morning here, just, just to be encouraged. Amen. The Lord wants to encourage you. Because sometimes we can tend to get weary in well-doing. We get weary in our prayers because we're, man, we're wanting to see a change. But let me tell you something. The very second that you pray, the very second that you approach God, He begins to work on your behalf. It's just like Daniel when he was praying for the, the understanding of that dream. And the Bible says that an angel was sent. He says, from the very first day that you prayed, he said, I sent my angel to come. From the very moment that you pray, the answer starts to come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So the very first revelation that the Apostle Paul had was this, that the church is Christ. Amen. You, you can't separate. You cannot separate. You cannot separate. Now, will someone, be, will someone over there get me a glass of water real quick there? I want to do the, just a half a glass of water. I want to show you something here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now, here's us. This is a vessel. Let's just say this is us right here. This is Jesus. Okay? Now, before we're born again, we do not have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. It's just us. It's our dead spirit. When we get born again, God comes and He pours. He's the living water, isn't He? And He pours His life into us. Now at this point, this water is poured in here. You'll never be able to separate them again. 
because the element that was in here is now in here. You'll never be able to separate it again. And the Bible says, if any man be joined to the Lord, he is one spirit with the Lord. You see, when you got born again, you didn't just get your sins forgiven. That's big. That's huge. It was like this big chalkboard of all these sins, and God takes a big eraser and wipes it off. That's just part of the new birth. You get your sins forgiven, but then God puts through the new birth, He puts His Spirit on the inside of you and me. Think about that. A new spirit I will give you. I will give you a new heart. I'll take out the old stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. Many times, the reason that we're defeated in life when we shouldn't be is because we act as if God's not with us. We act as if God... I'm saying this to all of us. I'm looking in the mirror myself. The reason that we get discouraged sometimes and so forth is because we act as if God's not with us, but He's with us all the time. He's always with us. And that's why it's so important to... You know, there's certain scriptures for, for many, many years, many, many years. I, I can't even keep track now, but I constantly meditate. I speak them out. I talk them. Because why? It stirs up my inner man to realize my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen? You've been, I've been bought with a price. I'll glorify God in my body and my spirit, which belong to God. My body belongs to God. My spirit belongs to God. Everything I have belongs to God. He's on the inside of me. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The scripture even says that if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. The word quicken means to make alive. So the quickening power, now that's not talking about the resurrection. That's talking about these bodies, these mortal bodies while we're on the earth. That's what it's talking about here. The spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken, make alive your mortal death doomed body. Okay? See, healing, the healer lives inside of you. The provider lives inside you. Amen? The strengthener lives inside us. Amen? Oh, a few months back, it's probably been four months or something, I remember I was talking with Brother Dan. We were ministering to someone after the service, and they needed healing. And I don't even remember what the whole situation was. They needed physical healing for something. It was a visitor that came to our church. And so Dan began to talk to him, and he used the scripture in Galatians 2.20. He said, the greatest way I know to be healed is to realize this, for I am crucified. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And he went on to say this, and it ministered to me too. He said, uh, he says, when you realize that the healer is already inside you, then it's easy to partake of healing. Instead of like, healing's out there somewhere. No, if you're a born again child of God, the healer lives on the inside of you. Amen. Now, if I would have been sick that morning, I would have got healed right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. That just simplifies everything, doesn't it? Yes. See, that's called revelation knowledge. It's no longer I that live. There's another, uh, I don't remember the name of the translation, but I've got this book at home that has, from Mark Hankins Ministries, it's got all these different translations and, of the Bible, scriptures, and what have you. And one of the other translations says, it's no longer I that lives, but it's simply Jesus Borrowing and using my physical body. Hallelujah. Jesus using my body. Praise God. And so the Lord wants to think through your mind. You have the mind of Christ. He wants to look through your eyes. He wants to speak through your lips. And it's not difficult to do that. I mean, if He lives inside of us, now, I know, I'm, I'm sure that, I'm sure this one thing, the reason that sometimes we, we miss it is because we, the way the Lord deals with us sometimes is not spectacular per se. 
More often than not, that's not the way God communicates to us. It's just a thought that comes to us. And you're so one, folks, you're so one with God that if you're in tune with God and you're walking with God, His thoughts are going to float up to your mind and you almost think, that's just my thought. Yeah, that's just me. Have you ever been there before? And you're just film pressed. It's just a natural flow of things. You'll just say something, you know, but it'll bring blessing. Well, I'll tell you what, when you say something from heaven and you say something from God, it just encourages, it uplifts people. See, God is in the building up business. He is not into criticizing and condemning and putting down. That's the devil's business. He's in the building up business. Even the simple simple gift of prophecy is to speak unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. When you speak inspired entrance from God and you release that, it builds up, it edifies, it exhorts, it comforts, it lifts up. Anytime I've ever yielded to the spirit of prophecy or tongues interpretation of tongues, same equal to prophecy, it always has that building up effect. Like you can do this, you can come up, you have what it takes. You you understand what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. Christ in me. The hope of glory. The only Jesus that some people will see is the Jesus that lives in you and me. Will the real Jesus please stand up? Amen. (laughs) That's the cry of the world. Remember that show years ago, What's My Line, I think it was? Three guys named John Smith. Will the real John Smith please stand up? Remember that? Anybody remember that? And to a lot of people's surprise, oh, it wasn't that one, it was this one. You know what I'm saying? But I think the cry of the world today is this. Will the real Jesus please stand up? It's not hard to do that. I mean, you can be saved one day and be a witness for Jesus. All you know is you're blind, but now you see. That's what I was like when I got saved, 16 years old. I knew I was blind, but now I see. I didn't understand anything about the new birth. I knew I was, they said I was born again. I still didn't understand what that meant. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I've saw this. It's actually a mockery, a bumper sticker that says this. I was born okay the first time. You ever see that? I want to get out of my car, go over and just rip that thing off, you know. But I with, with hope. I was born okay the first time. In other words, mocking, how about coexist? How about that bumper sticker? Oh, man. You won't get on that thing. Amen? But I was born okay the first time. I was born okay the first time. No, no, no. It's called sin. We were born into sin. And we all need to be born again. We all need to be born again. Now, when I was born again, I said last week, I was 16 years old. I was a 16-year-old teenager in junior high school. And uh, I remember after the gentleman that shared Jesus with me, prayed with me and a good friend of mine, actually, and we both got born again at that youth camp on Memorial Day weekend, 1976. Never forget it. At Jamonville. And when I prayed that prayer, I remember going back because we had that little time off from school, you know, because of the holiday, you know. And I remember going back to school right after the holiday break, and I, I don't know about you, but there were some kids in my high school that I hated. I did not like them. You ever, because my, my graduating class had over a thousand graduates back then, back in the baby boomers, you know, over a thousand graduates. And there was some, let's just say, there were some real idiots that were in school, you know what I mean? And they would just do some things. And there were some people that I strongly disliked, okay, because of what they did to me and so forth and some of my friends. And I didn't like them. But on that Memorial Day weekend when I got born again and I got saved and I went back to school and I saw these same individuals that I knew I was going to see anyway, this time when I saw them, I looked at them, I was like, what changed? I didn't have an anger or hatred towards them anymore. I didn't understand that. I just I was like, I don't have any more. I don't have any. Now, they were still the same people. But I, all of a sudden, 
Now, it wasn't until a few years later that I got some teaching to understand that in Romans 5, 5, when you get born again, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Right? When you get born again, he puts his supernatural love on the inside of you. I didn't know that, but yet I was seeing it through God's eyes. I began to see those same people, and I was no longer angry at them. And to God be the glory, because two, one, two, three later, years after that, I began, by the grace of God, to lead different people to the Lord in my high school. Amen? My one friend, I got, I got saved. I share, shared the Lord with him. He got radically saved, this guy that I was in school with, Brother Jim. Oh, he got radically saved just by sharing my testimony with him. He got saved. And I'm telling you what, he only lived maybe half a mile from me. And we would get together. We're still in school, you know. We'd get together on Friday nights. We'd have prayer meetings in his basement on Friday night. Now, I know his, he, had, he came from a large family, you know, had several brothers and sisters. He's the only one that's born again in that household. They're steeped in Catholicism and so forth, and they were completely against what was going on in his life. <laughs> but uh, we were quiet about it, but we'd get downstairs and we'd begin to pray. We'd begin to pray for his brothers and sisters, and they would make a mockery of us. And his one brother came down, I remember... He, was, he would always come down and go out to the bars on Friday and Saturday night. He'd go down, it'd be late at night. He was a big guy. And he'd walk down the steps. You'd hear him coming down the steps. We're in his game room downstairs. And we're, we just happened to be on our knees praying at that time. We felt led of the Spirit. I'm just new at this. We're on our knees praying. We're praying. And, uh, and all of a sudden we heard the door open up. And boom, boom, boom. He starts coming down the steps. He's going to get in his car, open the garage door, and head out to the bars for the night. That was his custom, okay? Well, when he started coming down the steps, we're on our knees, and I looked over at him. I'm thinking, should we jump up? And I looked, up, I looked over at my friend. We're on our knees. We're praying. He goes, he goes stay right here, okay? And I'm telling you, <laughs> you can almost feel him walking past you. The, and he walked past, and he, he snarled at us. He goes, bunch of idiots. You know, and he slammed the door and left, you know. And <laughs> we started busting out laughing, you know. <laughs> Let me tell you something. His whole family came to Jesus Christ one by one. Not all at the same time, but I'm telling you, we saw it. Man, we, we got Brother Hagin's book on the authority of the believer. Somebody gave us that book. And we're like, okay, so these are blinding spirits. Second Corinthians says that the God of this world, Second Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. And we found out that you can take authority over the blinding spirits, over your loved ones, over your family members, and break the power of the devil over them and watch the light of the glorious gospel shine right into them. Now, we did it first to my parents. My parents weren't saved. And we pulled up in my 1976 blue Monte Carlo with a hood as long as this room. Yeah. Four barrel. Power under the hood. And we pulled up on a Friday night in, in my driveway. My parents are asleep. The bedroom, the lights are off. It was in the middle of the summer, and I remember in the car, I said, we're going to do this. We're going to take authority. We started taking authority and dominion over the powers of darkness. We, only, we didn't know much about this other than we just, okay, we'll just do this the best that we know how. And we took authority. Amen. Now, my mother and father were very upset when my sister and I received Christ in our Assembly of God church when we were teenagers. And they literally thought we joined a cult. They called it a cult. But you know what? We didn't care because we were set free. I mean, it was bad news, man. I'm telling you, at first it was like all hell broke loose in our house. Lynn had the same thing, persecution in her house. But you know what? It, there is a grace upon us just to press through that. Don't take it personal. You know? And uh, my parents, now my father was a city policeman, okay, for years, many years. And he, he and my mom went on to this retreat. It was a Christian retreat, okay? Somebody invited them to come. 
Long story short, they came back after a couple of days. I'm sitting in my living room. It's a beautiful summer day. And uh, my mom and dad came in smiling like possums. You ever hear that expression before? Ear to ear, just smiling. <laughs> okay. And I looked at them and I think, I'm not used to this. I'm thinking, what is going on? There's some we want to talk to you. And they're smiling. So I, I knew I wasn't in trouble at least, you know. And they said, we understand what happened to you. Because we just went to this retreat. And they started, my mother and father were crying. And they received Jesus Christ into their hearts. And I'm thinking, it was only a couple weeks before that. We were there in, the, in my, my Monte Carlo in front of our house on a summer night in the middle of the night. Well, 12 midnight. Taking authority. They did, nobody else heard it. We just prayed it where we could just hear it. Broke the power of the devil. And all of a sudden, someone invited them. They came to this retreat. They got born again. And then things began to change. Not too much longer after that, on a winter night, almost 15 below zero, in the month of January. It was like right around 77, right around that time. When the, remember when those harsh winters, really harsh winters, you know? We liked it because we were off school for about a week, you know? <laughs> and uh, I mean, you have to understand, my friend Jim is a big man, okay? He ran from his house up to my house on a very cold night. I heard bam, bam, bam on my front door. I go to the door. Here's my friend. He comes running in out of breath. I'm thinking, what's wrong? What's going on? He says, guess what? My brother just got born again. His oldest brother. And it, without going into great detail, it was supernatural. Somebody went into a bar. He was in a bar and witnessed him. An old, old buddy of his and witnessed him. He got born again. And so one by one, they started coming in. They started coming in. On another night, we're having a prayer meeting. On another Friday night. Now, the Lord instructed us back then to go down to Liberty Avenue on Friday night when all this stuff was going on. on Liber- now, they've cleaned it up a lot since then. Yes. But let me tell you back, you, if you remember back in the 70s, it was, it was like the red light district. Yes. You know, it was really bad. Yes. I didn't even know how bad it was. I just said God wanted us to go down. <laughs> we, had, we came across all kinds of situations down there. But we saw people that were involved with prostitution and drugs get born again. And I didn't know, we didn't know anything, but the Lord just put it on our hearts. Take the bus down, get off, and just spend the night down there witnessing the people. Okay? And so we saw a lot of different people come. Not everybody, but a lot of people came to the Lord. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's right. There was a, back in those days, there was, back then there was a storefront that was like a Christian coffee house. That people, different Christians would come down there and meet. But, um, so I remember it was another Friday night. We're praying, and I'm driving back from my friend's house, and it's probably about midnight, something like that. And all of a sudden, I had my first word of knowledge. Now, it seems so subtle to me, but I had a word of knowledge. And there was a guy, there was a kid that we were in the same grade. His name was Pat, okay? Pat Glasgow, I remember that name. <laughs> And his father had a body shop, you know, he had cars and fixed bodies on the cars and stuff like that. And we were on the same hockey team, okay? And but he didn't know Jesus, you know? And I'm driving back on this cobblestone road. I think it's Colbert. It's all this stuff's coming back to me, Colbert Drive. I'm driving back on this brick road, you know, some of the roads in Pittsburgh are like that still. And, uh, and the Lord strongly, and I was really tired because we had prayed. It was late at night. And the Lord said, pull over, go over and knock on the door. He said, Pat needs me. And I'm thinking, wow, it's like midnight. I don't want to wake the family up, you know. And, uh, and I don't remember how it all happened, but somehow he came to the door, you know. And he goes, Keith, you know, he was a good, jolly type of kid anyway. He just didn't know Jesus. He said, what are you doing, man? I, I said, can I talk to you? So he, he invited me, and his bedroom was downstairs, you know. And we go, we go downstairs, and I begin to talk to him. And uh, I really didn't know what I was going to say. But you know what? Don't worry about that. Don't try to figure it out mentally how and what you're going to say. Is it going to sound politically correct and all this? Just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Jesus is after souls. He still is. He's after people's hearts. 
Long story short, I go downstairs. He starts telling me how super depressed he was. He said, man, I don't even know how to shake this thing, you know. And you would never know that from talking to him. You would think he's a real happy-go-lucky type of kid, you know what I'm saying? Smart as a whip as far as in his intelligence goes, you know. He's top of his class. And, uh, but yet he was really depressed. I was able to share with him Jesus, simple message of if you invite Jesus into your heart. And right then and there in his bedroom downstairs, I was able to pray with him and lead him into the Lord right there. Right there. And he received Jesus Christ right there. That, that man will be in heaven because of that. But, you know, it was so subtle. It was so... I could have easily wrote that off. You know what I'm saying? I could have just said, you know what I mean? And a lot of times we do that. I'm sure I have done that where I just avoided. But yet that still small voice, that inward witness, you know. Uh, and if I wouldn't have listened to that, I could have reasoned it out and said, well, you know, late it is, Lord, at night. It's so late. But obviously the Lord, the Lord knew that. You know what I'm saying? But, but I, I said all that to say this. I wasn't even planning on sharing that. That when we become God inside minded and we realize it's not just us floating around through life, you know, just like a body walking around, that we've got this spirit of God on the inside of us. This is what makes Christianity come alive like never before. See, there's a lot of people that have churchanity, but they don't have Christianity. They know what it's like to go to church say the right words, press all the right buttons, do all the right things, but they don't have a vital, living relationship with God. But we can. I believe that's why you're here this morning. Amen? Because this will lift us out of the mundane. When we understand this, Christ in us, the hope of glory, He's in us, this will lift us out of the mundane, out of the natural over into the supernatural. It's his super on our natural that will get the job done. Hallelujah. You know, I choose to believe that there are hungry people out there today. I do. I believe just like it was in the 70s. Now, don't make the mistake and say, oh, I wish it was like it was back then. Folks, there were people lost as a goose in a hailstorm back then. But there's hungry people then, there's hungry people now. And I believe that the more we become conscious of the fact that our bodies... Remember those scriptures we read last week in Corinthians where Paul said, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? He mentioned that three times. Twice it was mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and then chapter 6. And then over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You're the temple of the living God. What communion has light with darkness? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And he calls the Christian the temple of God. We're called the temple. He calls the Christian light, temple of God, Christ. He says, what hath Christ with Belial? What common? He calls the the Christian the temple of God. Obed-Edom had the physical ark of the temple in his house. He got blessed for three months. I'm sure after that, after the day came when they were taking the ark out, he's thinking, I sure hope it stays here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I knew what I was like before it came, and I don't want that to change. Amen? But see, here's the beautiful thing about the new birth. That's why the, new, the birth is so important, because God never leaves you or forsakes you. He lives on the inside of us. He lives in us. And if God before us, who can be against us? God lives in me. I say that all the time. God, you live in me. You're in me. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying inside me, that's right, son, I'm in there. And I'm not there to leave, too. Even in your darkest hour that you face in this life, he's still there. Even when you feel all this pressure on your mind, yet the Lord is right there. Amen? Many times through the years when you face the crisis of life, the crisis of life, Brother Hagin used to say, will come to all of us. That's not a prophecy. That's just the facts. You're in this earth. Certain things will come into your life. You know, when the crisis of life comes, what's on the inside of you will then be displayed. If there's fear in there, that's what's going to come out. 
okay? See, a lot of people, when they get under pressure, and they've, they've, they, they did this with flight recordings, you know, f flights that, were, that went down in an accident and stuff like that. And they got the little black box. I'm thinking, why don't they make the whole plane out of black box then? <laughs> they captured the black box on the bottom of the ocean or something, you know what I mean? And it's just, you hear these foul curse words coming out of, of the pilot's mouth at the very last second because, see, that's what's in their heart in abundance. That's what's going to come out. But when we put the Word of God on the inside of us and put that Word and let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, we let the Word of Christ dwell in us. Amen? Glory to God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Richly, not poorly. Let the Word of Christ, the Word of Christ, the Word of God, the Word of Christ, the Word of God, the Word of Christ, Dwell in us richly. Dwell in us richly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You got something? Thank you, Jesus. Wow, this is really amazing. Okay, praise God. Wow, I got this scripture, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Version. Um, you'll know it when I start to read it. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It says here, but if the unbelieving partner, wait, that's not the one I want, I'm sorry. It's a down moment for the one who can't convert. Well, it's First Corinthians chapter seven. Let me look at it in the King James real quick. Oh, I have it outlined here. Okay, verse. Excuse me, verse fourteen. It says here, I'll do the King James, then I'll do the Amplified. Josh, could you pull up Second Corinthians? Oh, it's up already. Okay, it says, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. This is if the, the, the person chooses to stay dwelled with the Christian. Yes. So I'll start from the beginning. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. Wow. Let's look at that in the Amplified. I just think this is so powerful. For the unbelieving husband is set apart, that's sanctified. Anything sanctified is set apart yes. and holy. Yes. For the unbelieving husband is set apart, separated, withdrawn from heathen contamination and affiliated with the Christian people by union with his consecrated, set-apart wife. And the unbelieving wife is set apart and separated through union with her consecrated husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, unblessed, heathen, outside the Christian covenant. But as it is, they are prepared for God, pure and clean. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Praise God. You know, I, um, my best friend, she, um, I led her to the Lord this is amazing. She was on drugs. She got set free. Then her sister who was on drug got set free and saved. It was just a powerful time. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, we're, we're believing God. We were praying this morning and, and believing God and standing. And I, I want you all to stay here with me. I mentioned this one prayer meeting. Stay praying in the Ephesian prayers that the eyes of her understanding would be enlightened. It's been powerful. Since we've been doing that, I, I can't tell you, even in my own life, how powerful it is to pray the Ephesian prayers, chapter 1 and chapter 3, that yes. our eyes be open. And praise God. But we're standing, and, you know, it was, wasn't too long ago. I had a word for her, and then this scripture came back to me because she's believing God for her kids and her, her husband. And I was just like, the Lord just showed me how much... 
Things are different in her life because, because she's the holy one that, you know, you think things are bad, okay, but no, they're not like they would be if you weren't saved and serving God. So God has separated those that we're standing for. They're separated and they will come to know the Lord. Yes. They will walk in the fullness yes, of God. Yes, they Lord. will experience the glory and manifest the presence of God. And I believe that so strongly. God is faithful. He's not a liar. He says what he, whatever he says, he means he will do. So we just, we are thankful right now. Father, we are thankful for those that we're standing for to come, Father God, into the kingdom of light. Father God, we thank you that they are sanctified. They're set apart, Father God. We thank you, God, that your word is true and that, Lord, we're standing on that word that they are set apart apart from all the unclean filth even if they're around it father god it's not going to be in them in the name of the lord jesus christ and we thank you father god for your mercy your mercy your mercy we thank you for the mercy of almighty god amen hallelujah i'm going to leave you with one more scripture and this is amazing psalm 34 verse 6 Praise you, Jesus. The presence of God is so, yes. so wonderful. Yes, yes. My, my, my. So wonderful. Jesus is so wonderful. And so the revelation, he's showing us how he is so, the words just can't even express mm-hmm. how. Yeah. not sometimes like we think he is <laughs> okay verse 34 or chapter oh the presence of God my 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 oh, thank you, Psalm 34 verse 6 it says here the poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all all look at this word it says he'll save us out of all our troubles Amen. We cry out to God, he will save us. He will deliver us out of all of our troubles. I got to read this in the, um, the new, the, the Passion Translation. When It says here, when I had nothing, I was desperate and defeated. I cried out to the Lord and he heard me bringing his miracle deliverance when I needed it most. Hallelujah. 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 He knows how to deliver it. Deliver us when we need it most. So let's stand on that, that he is delivering us. Father, we are standing on your word, the covenant promise of your word. You said you would deliver us from every trouble, every evil. You are our rescuer. You are our savior. You are our, oh God, you are so good. And we thank you for delivering us out of every test and trial, every trouble everything that's not of God, everything under the curse, we are redeemed from the curse. And I thank you, Father God, hallelujah, for delivering each of the saints out of all wickedness. In Jesus' name. Jesus. 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 Praise you, Lord Jesus. Yeah. For you see, I keep hearing. Yes. We are one, saith the Lord. Yes. We are one, saith the Lord. We are one. Have not I said in my word, ye are stones built up, and I am the chief cornerstone? Yes. Have not I said I am the head and you are the body, saith the Lord? Have not I said I am the vine, you are the branch, saith the Lord? For we are one because of the new birth. The mighty work that I've done, saith the Lord, the recreation of your heart has brought you in unity with my heart, saith the Lord. For you see, I was personally in my son reconciling you unto myself. Yes. Yes, you were lost. But through the death of my son, you but brought nine unto me. Yes. yes, you are one. You are one with me, saith the Lord. 
I'll say it even in a greater way. We are one. Hallelujah. the most high. Hallelujah. We praise you for that, Father, right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For my glory resides on the inside of you, and I've set you apart for such a time as this. And you'll walk in my ways, and you'll walk in my goodness, and you'll walk in my deliverance, and you'll walk the way I tell you to walk, and you'll hear my voice accurately, clearly, and loudly. You will walk in my ways, and oh, <laughs> what great days are ahead for my glory shall be dispensed and it will be greater and greater and greater with each step that you take so get prepared prepare yourself for my coming for it's right around the bend so set apart yourself and be holy unto me and I will use you in a mighty way that you've never ever even thought would be used so get ready get ready for the race that you're running is not in vain for at the end of the race there shall be a prize that is so glorious that you can't be able to contain it in the flesh but your spirit shall receive all that I have for you and yes you walk in my best Praise Praise you know I was sitting there when you were prophesying that was so powerful you know what the Lord told me was it, you know in John 15 it says now you are clean through my word yes. mm. he was saying every time you come to church you become clean and it's like an accumulation you know where you, you know we're in the world you know what I'm saying and you can't help but have some of it yeah so every time you come instead of all this dirt and stuff being accumulated and it's on some people yes. my gosh it's on some people it starts to accumulate and when people stay away from church they get bogged down but God's mercy is going to pull them out but the point of it is is you're here bless God and you're coming and you're sitting under the word you're sitting under the anointing so you come you have no idea you won't even realize it till you get to the other side how much How blessed your life is. How clean you became so that filth from the world, the darkness of the world, is just rinsed right off of you. Yes. Yes. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, and you'll walk in that, Dan. And never again, you foul devil lies. No more sickness. No more pain. No more in Jesus' name. Ha, 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 ha. You laugh at the devil. He's a liar. He's a thief. Ha, ha. And all healing belongs to you and is underneath your feet. Oh, thank you, and you've been standing too, dear. <laughs> yeah. And it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. The word of God is coming to pass. Oh, so don't give up. Don't get weary. But stand on your faith. Ha, 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 ha. And you'll laugh and laugh and laugh. In Jesus' name. Praise Hallelujah. the Lord Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. Well, let's stand, stand up and give him glory before we leave here today. We praise you today, Father. We lift our hands to you, Father. We worship you today, Father. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for being in us strongly today, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for transforming. Hallelujah. The scripture says, uh, the scripture says, but we all, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just... The Lord just quickened this to me. He said, but we all with open face beholding as in, the gla- as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're transformed and we're changed by the presence of God and by the Word of God. And Lord, today we thank you, Lord. We'll never be the same again. Thank you that you're sending us out into a dark world, but we're the lights. The light's in us, bright light in us, and taking us, leading us to those people, Lord, that have hungry hearts. This week, Father God, send us across the path of Lord, of hungry-hearted people, Lord, that don't know Jesus yet, but they're searching, Lord. They're looking, Lord. So, Madagasa, send us to those people, Lord. 
Cross our paths this week, Father. Starting today, Father. Supernatural connections, Lord, with hungry-hearted people, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, this is what I call having church. Where the Holy Ghost has liberty. Do you have something else? Okay. Where the Holy Spirit has liberty to say and speak what he wants. And get majorly off of our notes. And follow the path of God with what he has for us. Praise God. Praise God. We bless you. And we thank you, Lord, for causing your face to shine upon each and every person here. We bless you. We thank you that your presence is with us all week, Father. Amen in Jesus' name. Amen.